Welcome to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you are ready to find your inner magic, develop great habits, and a rock steady mindset to feel confident, comfortable, and fit in your body, you are in the right place. I am Kim Barnes Jefferson, and I'll be giving you weekly doses of health, fitness, and life tips sprinkled with humor and real talk. If you're ready to be consistent without the stress of perfection, magic makers, it's time to slip into your favorite pair of PJs, grab some coffee, kick back, and listen to today's show. Hey, Magic Makers, Kim here. I have a great episode coming your way. Today, I talk with Jade Etter. She's a board-certified physician assistant turned gut health consultant. Yeah, we are talking all about gut health. She is someone has as well who's had some serious gut health issues, and she just realized that you know she was given a lot of pat answers for all of her challenges, and she was like, you know what? There are probably other women dealing with this type of things, and she just wanted to dive deeper into her condition and be able to share her personal journey through functional medicine with you. And I'm so glad I found her because, you know, we all have seen gut health is now this big term. And I think I remember hearing it about seven years ago. And now it's like everywhere I turn, there is something talking about gut health on TV, on the socials. And we really just get into the deep and dirty of it. You know, do we need to have all of those acid reducers? What the heck are probiotics, prebiotics? Do we need to take them? You know, are ways we can get them through our food? What the heck is gut health anyway? Why should I care? You know, we talked so much and she is just a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, I love how she just breaks it down very simply. And you know me, I'm all about the simplicity. So have a listen and do me a favor. Let us know what other questions you might have about gut health that were not covered here, because I would love to have her back. She is just that fabulous of a guest. All right, Magic Makers, another iTunes review of the week. This one is from Emmy Roberts 24. She says, Kim is the queen. She is fierce, funny, and smart as a whip. Kim embodies what it means to be a life coach by offering so much more than diet and workout tips. Whether you're a gym junkie or just beginning your journey, she helps you see that living an all-around better lifestyle is not only attainable, but something you can strive for. Regardless of your age, Kim is tough love friend. You need to kick your butt into gear. She said something recently that resonated with me. No is a complete sentence. You don't have to expand, explain your boundaries to justify them to anyone. Let's that, let that sink in. Five stars always. Thank you, Miss Emmy Roberts. Yes, that was a game changer for me. You know, when I first started in this fitness journey, I was double dipping. I had a corporate job as well as fitness. And it was really hard for me to say no to clients. It was really hard for me to say no to my boss because I needed the cash. But I was getting burnt the F out. And so I finally had to come up with my boundaries and finally have to say to myself, like, I, you know what, it doesn't work for me to work out in the morning. Like if that, it, I just can't do it. And now I don't really hop on the phone with a client until at least 10 o'clock in the morning. I need that warm up time for me. So I really want you to start thinking and exploring your boundaries. I've done several podcasts about boundaries and please listen to them. If you're someone who's like, I need some boundaries in my life. Thank you again, Miss Emmy Roberts. If, if there's anyone out there who would love to share a iTunes review and you're like, I don't know how to do that. Reach out to me in the bottom of this podcast. You will find out how you can reach out to me for social media and just shoot me a DM. I will answer them. All right, ladies, enjoy the episode. Okay, Magic Makers. Today I have a lovely lady. I've been following her on Instagram and I just love... I love when I follow people who put out information that I can understand. Like I don't need to go Googling words or anything. It's just very matter of fact to the point that I'm like, you know what? I love it. And you know, what? I think I can do this without feeling like I need a PhD to get it done or 500 steps to get it done. And that is what my next guest brings to the party. Her name is Jade Etter. She's from The Resilient Gut. And we're talking gut health today. There is so much BS out there about gut health. Like it's just because I remember hearing about it about 10 years ago. And now I feel like everywhere I turn, someone's talking about 
probiotics and IBS and this and this and this. And I'm like, I need to have someone who can like cut through the bullshit for you. And like, just just figure out what the hell it is and what do you need to do about it? So welcome to the show, Jade. Thank you. And I could not agree more. Are you tired of jumping from one health and fitness program to the next without seeing any real long-term results? I get it. Life can be unpredictable and sticking to a consistent routine can be tough. That's where I can help. Introducing five days to consistency. My new free five-day challenge that will help you develop lasting healthy habits With just a five-minute commitment, I will guide you through creating a personalized plan that fits your lifestyle and your goals. No more chasing unicorns or bouncing from one 30-day challenge to the next. Magic makers, it's time to focus on real change, the kind that sticks with you for the long haul. So if you're ready to make a change and develop the habits that lead to long-term success, join me for the free five days to consistency challenge. Let's start to make healthy living a habit, not just a one-time thing. I am a gut health expert. I've been practicing in gut health for quite some time. And I have my own personal kind of journey that maybe we could talk about. But there are even times because of the information overload on the internet that I even question. And I'm like, do I have this wrong with me? (laughs) Exactly. I feel like ever since, I don't know when they allowed drugs to um, advertise on TV. And they're like, do you have this, 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 this? Like all these things you're like, oh, I think I have that. And then all of a sudden you're like self-diagnosing anything. Uh, Right. Yeah, exactly. Actually, this is a little bit of, you know, I digress just a little bit, but when I was actually practicing in family medicine, before I went into gastroenterology, I actually had a woman come into the office. Um, She was so distraught. And um, I said to her, I'm like, okay, you're gonna have to calm down. I can't understand what's going on. And she was like, "I I know I have prostate cancer because she had watched a commercial on TV that was explaining yeah. all the symptoms. And I said, look, from an anatomical standpoint, that's not possible. You don't have a prostate. So that goes to show you the power of persuasion of marketing and these companies oh, God, yeah. so much money in marketing. They have you convinced that you have things wrong with you that, you know. Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah. And if especially if you're like this much of a hypochondriac, you're just like, they just bring you in hook, line and sinker. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's, I always love how, you know, people get into it. Cause like you said, you know, you were just a, you are a regular um, GP, right. And so, um, you know, you see everything, you know, from the common cold to whatever. And so what made you say, you know what, I, I want to really just dive into this gut stuff. Yeah, great question. Well, I was uh, labeled with IBS when I was 14. I had experienced a death in the family quite early on. I was around like six when that happened, really when I my nervous system was developing. So um, secondary to that and kind of not getting like the help that I needed, I ended up developing like diarrhea, constipation, bloating, like all of these things. And I went through the gamut of testing and I was mm. young point labeled with IBS and basically told this is the way it is. This is normal. Everybody has that. Right. So I knew at a very young age, I wanted to go into medicine because I wanted to help people uh, to not feel the way that I felt. Right. (laughs) I was struggling with those issues because I very much felt that I was just like misunderstood. I was not Mm. heard. I was just told you've got anxiety, go on medication. You know, you've been through something traumatic. So um, it was very clear to me what, that I wanted to go into medicine. I just didn't know what avenue I wanted to take. Right. Uh, I went, I did a a rotation when I was coming out of school, right before I sat for my medical boards and I went through general practice and I realized, oh my gosh, so many issues stem back to people's guts and Mm. the types of foods that they're consuming and the lifestyle in which they're living. And um, it became very apparent to me very quickly that gut health was where I wanted to be, that I felt I could make a massive impact there. So I started in outpatient GI and I practiced there for probably about three years until I decided I want to take the more acute approach. Mm. And I started then um, working out of the hospital where I was doing more like liver cancer, liver failure, pancreatic issues, inflammatory bowel disease. Um, I was working in conventional medicine right around the height of uh, COVID. Oh, wow. 
and feeling just really kind of burnout at that time and knowing I could help people in a, in a more meaningful way, um, given the experiences that I had been through. So I actually digress for a minute, but I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and endometriosis. Mm. Um, and I was on immune suppressing drugs. I was getting um, IV medication every eight weeks. Mm. And I decided there's got to be another way, you know, yeah, I'm like, um, so I ended up in two and a half years, I got myself into remission naturally. Um, and I have been in remission since that time on no medications. And so at the swing of COVID where I just kind of was so burnt out and overwhelmed. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to like start my own thing and help mm. people in a meaningful way. And that was really what led to the birth of my business and the way that I function and work now. And it's just been transformational for both me and for all the people that I work with. But. So if we take a step back to like, you know, when you were uh, a teenager, now, do you, you know, now with, you know, hindsight being 2020, how would you diagnose yourself back then? Oh, that's a beautiful question. And I don't think anyone's ever an like asked me that. Um, at around the age of 14 with the symptoms that I was struggling with, you know, I, if that person would come see me now, or if like, if I would see yeah. that person, I would start to dissect the symptoms that people are experiencing are true and mm. they're real, but it's not because that's just the way that it is. It's right. because there's something downstream that is off. And so at that point, like if I could go back in time, I would have done a microbiome analysis for sure. I would have had a stool right. sample done to show me like, what are the bacterial concentrations in my gut? What are my inflammatory markers? Um, I would have had a conversation with myself about how important it would be to get rid of inflammatory seed oils from my diet. Right. And focusing on my sleep and getting some therapy. Mm. And that's true for so many people. We, everybody, I feel like 90% of the population has had something traumatic happen in their life. Oh, for sure. Sweep it under the rug. That's normal. Everybody goes right. through things it's not normal and your subconscious mind does not perceive it that way yeah so. and, and I, I you know I liked how you know you came from came at it from a let's see what we can do nutritionally versus go to CVS and buy some Imodium and you know buy this buy that it was like let's systematically say what's actually are you taking in that might be contributing to whatever's going on with you till we figure out whatever's going on with you. Yeah. You don't have a Metamucil deficiency. Right. That's no, what I always tell my clients is like, you don't have a supplement or a prescription deficiency. You weren't born with that. Right. So even if you go on those sorts of medications or supplements to help with your symptoms, what happens when you come off of them? Right. Or, symptoms come or, as, right. A, or as a, you know, physician, you're like, I'm going to give you said supplement until we figure out what the problem is. You know, my goal is to band-aid it, but eventually the band-aid has to come off. Exactly. Exactly. Supplements prescriptions are only band-aids if you're not doing the really deep dive and working on the lifestyle. Supplements supplement the right. diet. They supplement right. your lifestyle. They right. don't replace. <laughs> but if you still have like a shitty, you know, shitty nutrition, stress to the max, you know, not dealing with if, you know, in your instance, not dealing with said trauma, it's just going to be this like vicious circle that just will always continue to like spin around. Negative feedback loop. It's a yeah. real <laughs> completely. So now you, you, so, you know, so then you fast forwarded, do you feel that what you've ex experienced in the last, you know, couple of years has stemmed from what happened when you were um, a teenager, or do you think it kind of has it, other things in life has contributed to that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I use the analogy with a lot of our clients, like the bucket analogy. Mm. So we have a bucket and there are things that put water into your bucket. But eventually you take in so much water that your bucket starts to overflow. Right. And that overflow is physical manifestation, symptoms for people. Right. So by the time you're feeling symptoms, so much water has been poured into your bucket. And that's coming from your nutrition, your lifestyle, your lack of sleep, your stress, underlying yeah. environmental toxins, right? 
So for me, when the symptoms started at the age of 14, the water was being put in the bucket since the age of six. It just took that much time for me to finally have that physical manifestation of it. And then the fact that nobody took the time to explain to me why I was dealing with those symptoms Uh, over about a 10 year period of time, the bucket just kept overflowing, overflowing, overflowing. And I was told that was normal and just take some fiber and take a probiotic and it'll mm. go, you know, that then it progressed into an autoimmune disease because I wasn't addressing the inflammation. And after a while that starts to activate genes in your body. So that's the, the term for that is epigenetics. Yeah. So yeah, the mismanagement of my IBS at 14 definitely is what led to that autoimmune disease then in my twenties and endometriosis is really just a subset of inflammation in the body and an unhealthy gut. So yeah, very much connected. And so just for edification, most people think endochromesiosis, why can't medical words be like simple as cat? Um, (laughs) Exactly. Um, Most people think that is primarily a um, gynecological problem versus a more uh, connective tissue Mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. Yeah. You want a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about how it's related to the gut. We can do a Okay. Can we could do a whole podcast on just I know I just like I know the paw of the cat just came right out of the bag and and the, and it's just squiggling. And for sure we could do, totally do a deep dive on endocomiosis because I think that's another big underlying issue that for I know for a lot of my clients have been like take some Advil. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible, which is and only gonna that and perpetuate the problem. Right. Even take more. it some but, take some Advil and relax. Mm, Yeah. So there's certain bacteria in the gut that are capable of making an enzyme. And that enzyme is known as beta-glucuronidase. And this enzyme actually takes estrogen that's in the bowels that you're supposed to be excreting in a bowel movement and actually shuttles it back into circulation. Hmm. So it's actually causing women to... um, reabsorb estrogen, which creates an estrogen dominance picture, which is why we're seeing endometriosis and breast cancer on the rise, but that these Ah. women who are developing this are BRCA negative. So BRCA being like the breast cancer gene, there was this question about like, why are these women getting breast cancer all of a sudden and it not being genetically driven? Well, this is one of the major reasons. And it all kind of comes back to your nutrition and your lifestyle because estrogen or any hormone in the body goes through metabolism in the liver and then gets spit out into the bowels and we excrete it in a bowel movement. Right. If you're constipated or you're not going to the bathroom, you're reabsorbing all those toxins right back into circulation. If you have an unhealthy gut and the bacteria is not balanced, what happens? You create excess of this enzyme estrogen goes right back into circulation. So you can see how you cannot isolate these different parts of the body or these different disease processes. They are all connected. And a lot of it comes back to how are we detoxifying our body? And our digestive tract is the number one source for that. In addition to sweating and then urinating, those are the three detox pathways of the body. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I know this is a gut health. So we're going, we're going to take a detour. I'm going to tell you, we're going to take a detour and then we're going to get back on the road. We're just, we're at a, we're at a rest stop. We had to pee. So um, it's, I, I think it's very interesting because one of the common questions that I ask my clients, and I know you have, you, you have to, given what your practice is, I ask them like, so often do you poop? And it's really interesting how many people will tell me that maybe a couple of times a week. And I'm like, flabbergasted. Yeah. Yeah. The, the accepted, um, within the medical community, it's accepted to go to the bathroom once every three days. Um, however, I do not uh, agree with that because I said, you know, we are inundated with so many toxins Mm -hmm. From like the products that we use, environmental toxins that we're coming into contact with, having an unhealthy gut, heavy metals, our drinking water is just terrible. Um, 
So when you think about all of that together and the amount of load that is going on the liver, we need to be clearing out our system daily. Oh, for sure. We have to be ensuring that we are having a bowel movement and we're clearing the system. So I'm going to take another detour because it just, it leads, just light leads me here. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So, so people are going to hear that and they're going to be like, well, Jade, shouldn't I just do a cleanse or some type of detox? I mean, why do I have to poop? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, Well, don't get me started on all those TikTok trends. Yeah, you you and I could be on, we could be here for hours. <laughs> so I'm assuming if your listeners also kind of feel the same way, I'm sure you've educated them on that, but you have to be careful with some of the information that you're consuming on the internet and whether it's actually reputable. I have, when I was practicing in conventional medicine, actually took care of some young individuals in liver failure from taking a plethora of supplements or going through these cleanses and de- detoxes. Okay, so everything has a repercussion. So you have mm. to think about it. But why would I, okay, about the detox? Um, because it's not sustainable and it is simply a band-aid. And I'll be honest right. with you, most of the time it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, just causing yourself more harm than good. And if you're going to put yourself through some sort of like, I've had people come to me and they're like, well, I put myself through a colonoscopy cleanse, you know, just to clean the system. Okay, well, what happens when you go back to eating the same way and living the same lifestyle? Are you going to cleanse like every month? The other thing too is when you do that, you desiccate your microbiome. It's almost like taking an antibiotic. You are wiping the system. And we know that from one seven-day course of an antibiotic, it can take upwards of two years for the microbiome to rebalance from that. Wow. I knew chronic antibiotic use because they're inappropriately prescribed. Oh yes. You know? And so then that leads us down to this road of like overgrowth and um, break de- food sensitivities and yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and I, I like that. So this is a great little, this is a great little segue. So everyone here has heard of gut health and they've, or they've probably either Googled it or watched a TV commercial. So how would you in a nutshell say, what is gut health? Oh, I love that question. Uh, gut health is life. <laughs> so your your gut is um, it's a hollow tube inside of your body. And really your gut is deciding what is essential for life and what is not. We as beings are made up of what we absorb through our gut. Okay. So mm-hmm. you can think about your gut as like a cheesecloth. It has these tiny ah. little And these, it's allowing the good nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, the amino acids to come through into the internal environment and everything else stays external. Inside that hollow tube is still external. It's never entering inside of the system. So it goes the whole way through the length of the the digestive tract and then you eliminate it in a bowel movement. Right. Yeah. Your digestive tract is your life and it is a protective barrier that's deciding what's internal versus external. So basically it's like the, the, the cop of nutrients. So as I'm taking things in, it's deciding, yeah, we, we need this, we'll pull it out. And anything we don't need, it shoots down into waste. Exactly. And there's different parts of the, the gut that perform different roles, but all which are necessary to keep us healthy. So for example, like when you, the first part of digestion happens in your mouth, This is why you need to slow down and actually chew and enjoy your food. It's the first part of carbohydrate digestion happens in the mouth with the saliva. Then when you swallow, it travels down the esophagus, which is basically the transport tube. The only function is to take that food and get it into the stomach. Right. The stomach is responsible for breaking down food in this acidic environment. The small intestine is, re- is the next part, which is where you absorb all of your vitamins, all of your minerals. And um, also you make neurotransmitters, which make up like how you feel, your mood, all of that. Then what happens is that food makes its way down into um, the colon, which is where most of the bacteria live. Um, a lot of the population of the gut bacteria live in the colon and that's where they ferment and they break down food and they create B vitamins and they do all these great things. And you can think of the colon also as like a storage tank. It holds on to everything until it's time to get rid of 
Also, uh, when things make its way to the colon, the colon will actually extract water. So it takes water and that's what forms your bowel movement into that like formed log that you see in the toilet. Okay, so by taking the water out. So if you have diarrhea, it means things are moving too, through too quickly. The colon doesn't have time to actually extract water um, from the debris. Right. So, you know, so, so you talked about, let's, I'm going to work our way backwards. So we all, we all know what poop is, right? So there's, um, there is the Bristol stool. Yeah. Bristol stool chart. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you, all right, let me write myself a note to include that as a link in the show notes, because some of you are probably like, I've never qualified, ca categorized my poop before. So, yeah. so the Bristol stool, is that a good, is that still a good way for people to like, take a peek in the toilet and be like, how does it, you know, how am I doing? Yeah, I think so. It helps to just like, um, especially when you're like first starting out on your, your gut healing journey, it's, um, a visual representation of what is actually happening inside of your body. I tell people not to obsess over it though. Yeah. Like we don't, there are fluctuations in what your stool looks like, depending on, you know, the foods that you're consuming, if there's more dietary fiber, but yeah, you want to fall somewhere in the middle. Right. You don't want overly loose watery stool because you're losing a lot of water and a lot of minerals. We also don't want to be on the other end, which is constipation because then right. you're putting a strain on the colon wall, increasing your risk of diverticular disease, colon cancer, et cetera. So you just want to be in the happy middle. Right. And so for those people who like are, you know, facing constipation, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, the first step is always water, you know, how much water are you drinking? And the second step is how much dietary fiber are you um, taking in? You know, beside those two things, you know, other than seeing a medical professional, if it's a, if it's been a, it's a thing, um, mm -hmm. what are other things people can, you know, pay attention to when it comes to constipation? Yeah. One of the biggest things is, and I know you had said about like, what can you do at home, but assessing the type of bacteria that are present and in which concentration, because if you have a lot of methane producing bacteria in your gut, even though we know dietary fiber is great, right. when you increase the dietary, the fiber load, these methane producing bacteria actually feed off of that. Right produce more methane gas, which slows down the motility of the gut and increases the risk of constipation. So if you're doing all of these really great things and you almost feel like it's backfiring on you or you're not seeing any improvement, then I would say, Hey, like, you know, maybe you really do need to consider like looking into the bacterial species, but right. sleep is a big one. Yeah. Huge. Making sure that we are sleeping. I would say the other thing too, which probably isn't talked about a lot is um, allowing enough time in between your feedings. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so, I, I, a lot of my girls come from the, I must eat five meals a day, even though I'm not hungry. And so it's really kind of like letting them know, like you might feel a little hungry. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From a digestive standpoint, we don't want to be snacking and grazing. Yeah. Uh, we need to have at least a three hour window in between our feeds to allow for the migrating motor complex in the gut to actually clear out food and bacteria. So over snacking can be a reason for why your weight is stagnant, why you're bloating, why your bowels are not moving efficiently. So it's a, it's great that you're talking with your clients about that. Yeah. Okay. So now we've, we've, we started from the bottom. So now we, so now you mentioned, which I thought was very interesting because I just learned something here that where, when we talk about the bacteria, most people think the bacteria is in the stomach, but you are like, no, most of the bacteria part happens in our small intestine. So when mm -hmm. we hear about probiotics, prebiotic, blah, 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 this is all happening in the small intestine. Yeah, it's happening in the small intestine in the colon, but majority are in the colon. And the reason for that is because we have a pH gradient in the body. Mm. So your stomach is very acidic. It's right. like a 2.5, which is the defense mechanism. So when you eat food and you're bringing in bacteria on your food, it falls in that acidic environment and dies instantly. Gotcha. That's also how we unravel our food into these small little particles that we can extract nutrients from. So then as you make your way down from the stomach to the small intestine, the pH becomes a little bit more basic. So now we're talking about like a six. Right. And then if you get to the colon, it's more like a seven to 7.5. 
that is optimal living environment for bacteria. Gotcha. So this is go for it. Well, I was going to say, this is why like some probiotics actually are called enteric coated. Mm. They have a, a, a coating on the outside of them that allows them to withstand the acidity of the stomach so that they can make their way down into the small intestine. And then they break open and release those bacteria because if that capsule falls into the stomach and breaks apart, it's going to instantly kill those bacteria. Right. And then you're literally just wasting money. Right. So now with that, you know, so now with that said, you know, many of us have been told or research that we need to be, you know, focusing on having either probiotics, prebiotics, some other type of biotics. So let's break down what the varying things are and are, should people be, yeah self-prescribing? Ah, <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> so probiotics mean pro-life. Okay. So probiotics means bacteria, right? These are living organisms. So exactly like the same bacteria that are living in your gut that are helping you to create all these wonderful things to stay healthy. So probiotics are just capsules that contain these living bacteria. Prebiotics are fiber, and you can think about that as pre-life. So pre-life, what do you need to keep life alive? You need to give them food. So prebiotics are the food for those living bacteria. And so usually they're recommended to take together because if you're taking these um, bacteria, but you're not feeding them, they're not going to survive. So that's why there's a recommendation to take those together. It's almost like watering the garden and giving it soil at the same time sort of deal. Now, when I feed said bacteria, am I feeding both good and bad? Yes. Okay. Yes. But um, with that being said, when the gut is healthy and you have a very robust, healthy ecosystem, the good bacteria outcompete the bad. Gotcha. So based on our microbiome is determined in the first three years of our life. Oh, wow. And that is from breastfeeding from mom and, you know, this, the bacteria on her skin, the people that touch us, then we touch things and put them in our mouth. That's how we determine what our microbiome is. That's why everybody's microbiome is unique and different. So is it as a, you know, for someone who has a baby, you want them to kind of be around an, a lot of different things to kind of help really strengthen that microbiome. Yeah, you're doing a disservice to your child if you are not exposing them to um, different people, different objects, to the soil, because we know that they're soil-based um, organisms that also like correlate with life. So with that being said, we come into contact and our microbiome does have more um, opportunistic bacteria in it. Mm. But whenever we're healthy and we're living a really well-rounded life, those good bacteria will outcompete the bad. The problem is whenever we're not sleeping, we're stressed out, we overbook our schedules, we're eating a lot of foods that are causing us inflammation, you drive down the good bacteria. And then what happens? The opportunistic bacteria, they take advantage of the opportunity right. and they overgrow that's when they become a problem. Gotcha. Yeah. When you take prebiotics, it feeds both, but that's okay because the ecosystem is in balance. Right. So it's, it's basically, you know, a lot of the most, a lot of the people who are listening and thinking like I have stomach issues is because there is a higher percentage of the bad bacteria that's has taken, taken over. And so if someone's listening, they're like, well, how do I know if I have bad bacteria? You know, so how would someone be like, okay, this seems interesting. How would I know I have problems? Yeah, I would say look at the physical manifestation, look at the symptoms. And I think some people think that's just isolated to like bloating and diarrhea. But right. that's not um, I would I would say like, here's the most common things would be um, bloating, fatigue, brain fog, mm -hmm. diarrhea or constipation, acne, eczema, allergies. Um, that's a big one, like environment, people like having like allergies that seem to like have just started like I didn't have allergies as a kid but now all of a sudden I'm like having allergies and my nose is all stuffed up mm. that would be food sensitivities like I eat and then all of a sudden I'm like oh like I don't feel very good after eating that 
So again, like thinking about like, are these symptoms that I'm experiencing actually normal? Right. And it's so, you know, most of the, my, the women who are listening to this, they're over 40. And so some of the things you just described have also can be contributed to menopause, you know, just the, you know, our hormones are getting buck wild right now. And so it could be, you know, and, you know, God forbid you're in like the perfect storm and you have both (laughs) going, going on. The, the thing with that too is as you're going through menopause and you're feeling those hormonal fluctuations, um, they estrogen and progesterone, they affect the digestive tract differently. Yep. And so progesterone actually slows motility. And so when you start to see a surge of that, you can start to see changes happening within the bowels, which can actually drive some of those symptoms. Yeah. And again, and I'm sure you talk about this with your clients, but any symptom related to menopause is not normal. It's not normal because our body was not designed. We were not designed to have dysfunction. That's a normal part of a woman's kind of process through life. And we should be able to enter into menopause beautifully. We should be able to make that transition and not be inflamed and feel like everything just all of a sudden like went to hell. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so we talked about prebiotics, probiotics. So you, you know, you're like, am I someone, or do you feel people should take them? Oh, that's a great question. Well, um, I'm a food first kind of gal and Mm. that's the way that I practice. So I always say there's, um, we can always get it through our nutrition versus spending money on supplements. Right. The other thing is you have to be careful because there's so many different types of probiotics out Mm. there. That gets confusing for people too. It's like soil-based probiotics, the stuff that you're going to find in Activia that you asked me about earlier. So you have to be careful with that too, because it really just depends. Like your microbiome is different than mine. So you might do better with one that I might feel terrible on. And some people, what I've actually experienced is that somebody will come to me they're on a probiotic. And then when we do stool testing, they're already extremely high in that species of bacteria. Right. So it's like, are we causing more harm than good? Right. Now, when you say food first, because I mean, I, I even as of yesterday, when my husband went to the doctor and his doctor told him to have yogurt for probiotic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming, this question. Yeah. So, you know, someone's like, okay, I'm not going to pop pills anymore. You know, what are some probiotic foods that aren't Activia um, that I can just start to incorporate into my diet? Well, let me tell you what my gripe with, is with Activia or a lot of these yogurts. They are just loaded with sugar, mm-hmm. loaded, which is going to cause you blood sugar dysregulation and put you on a roller coaster. So hello, mood swings, acne, um, anxiety, etc. cetera. Um, so if you're going to do yogurt, which is a fantastic option, it needs to be a clean, unflavored, supernatural. So you can do if you know, you can do just plain like grass fed, uh, like milk type yogurt, you can do coconut yogurt, cashew, but it needs to be clean source. So look at the ingredients, um, other foods, uh, sauerkraut, oh, I love kimchi, sauerkraut. pickles, olives. Um, you could do like pickled red onions, pickled beets, Gosh, there's so many options. If you're tolerating gluten, sourdough is an option to get some supplemental bacteria, kefir or kefir. Yeah, tomato, you know? I know. Um, I know. It's definitely one of those, like, you're like, did I say it right? And someone's yeah. like, you know, like, yeah, it's definitely a tomato, tomato word. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I would start. Yeah. No. So basically for the fermented foods are a yes. good, a good place to start. So now we, we, we talked prebiotics, we talked probiotics, and now we're moving up. And so one of the things that, um, as you age, your, your just digestive fire starts to get extinguished. Um, so when I mean digestive fire, I'm talking like the acid, right? She talked about, you know, when I eat the food and it goes down my esophagus, it lands in the fire pit (laughs) and the fire pit, you know, burns off all the things we don't need. Um, so some people lose their, you know, the acid in their stomach. Is there something that, you know, is it just a, a fact of aging or is just a, a modern life? 
Um, both. So the threshold is 65. So whenever um, individuals reach 65, just across the board, we start seeing stomach acid slowly starting to reduce as a process of aging. But um, up until that point, we see acceleration of that, of the stomach acid reducing linked to chronic stress. Mm. So as you are chronically stressed, you start to downregulate the amount of acid that's getting pushed out into the stomach. The second leading cause for low stomach acid is having an H. pylori infection, which is a bacterial infection that lives in the lining of the stomach. And the way that it survives in the stomach is by reducing the amount of acid that is in there. And if you, how would, you know... Uh- other than a t- clearly a test, um, mm-hmm. is there any uh, kind of like symptoms that might be like, huh, I think that might be my problem. Are yeah. People might have. It's, it's um kind of like a wide range of symptoms when it comes to stomach acid. And so it can be very confusing, um, but nausea, especially mm-hmm. waking up in the morning or like on an empty stomach, people feel really nauseated. Mm. The women that you're working with are, or almost in menopause, but um, excessive vomiting in pregnancy is another big one that would tell us that like, hey, there's some underlying issue going on with the stomach. Women don't make that correlation. And then they come to me and I do an intake with them and I ask them about their pregnancy. Like, oh my gosh, it was terrible. I threw up the whole time. And I'm like, okay, so we know stomach acid's an issue. We know that there's probably a B6 deficiency. Like, um, yeah. It, it, so it's, it's funny that you say that because, um, there's a, uh, woman that I work with and, um, she's about five months pregnant and she, you know, she's like, I'm still throwing up. You know, most people say the first three months and like, you, you might still feel a little nauseous, but you're not like obsessive. And Amy Schumer had the same issue where she had like extreme, uh, morning sickness throughout her entire pregnancy. So you're saying it's an H. pylori thing. Interesting. Yeah, there's a huge co- correlation between women with hyperemesis gravidarum and H underlying H pylori. You really can't do anything about it during pregnancy. But the cool thing is, is you can fix it after the first one. So when you have a second one, it's not as miserable of an experience. The other thing with that is because that gives us an indication, then you have to start thinking about when the stomach acid reduces, that person is not absorbing the nutrients from right. their food. So then another big connection for those women with vomiting during pregnancy is you start thinking about vitamin B6. Um, you start thinking about carnitine, which is going to be extracted from like red meats. Yeah. And you are also start thinking about CoQ10, those three levels. So that would be something I would say. The other thing that you can do during pregnancy, and again, consult, this is not medical advice, you know, go All consult right. your um, GYN, but um, is ginger. Yeah. Ginger is, uh, has been shown to be safe in pregnancy. Um, ginger actually helps with the adhesion of H. pylori. It helps with motility. It'll downregulate nausea. So there's a lot of good benefits to ginger during pregnancy. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a ginger. Give me a good ginger shot. I'm in like in love. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Um, but yeah, this, and so I'm going to raise this to my friend Amy because I was just talking with her last night. She's like, she's like, I, I can't handle it. So um but, you know, it's a lot of things. So two things about acid. So agreed for a lot of people, I think the low, low stomach acid is stress related. And, you know, we think stress is more of like headaches or, you know, other ish, issues versus I can't digest my food and I feel nauseous like that. Just like that correlation. You think it's like, mm, I guess I shouldn't have you know, blueberries anymore. Like that's the first thought, not like I'm stressed like a mofo and I should just manage my stress. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The other thing is um, heartburn, right? So a lot of people will be um, chronically prescribed or re- recommended. Just take some Prilosec or just take some Zantac and for forever. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Um, PPI is widely overprescribed, and especially in that population of that 65 and older. If you go to a nursing home in, in America, almost everyone is on a PPI, which is 
such a disservice because we know that those people actually have the opposite issue. The reason why their stomach hurts, the reason why they're experiencing bloating after eating and, you know, all of these vague symptoms is because they don't have enough stomach acid. And so when we put them on PPIs, we're only further perpetuating the issue that they already have. And then you're putting people at increased risk of vitamin and mineral deficiencies, which then leads to weakening of the bones, which women in menopause are already at an increased risk of because the estrogen is dropping. So you're putting them at an even more increased risk for osteoporosis, um, for restless leg syndrome, all of these other issues, hair loss, because they're not absorbing vitamins and minerals the way they should be. Right. So now if, you know, so someone listening to this is like, oh, my doctor has had me on Prilosec or whatever for a million years. Is there a way off? That's so funny. I just offboarded a client yesterday who was taking PPIs for over five years. And after six months of working together, she's completely off and hasn't had an episode in over like four months of reflux. So yes, absolutely. But you have to start digging into the root cause of why. Mm. Why are you experiencing these symptoms in the first place? It's not good enough to just say, oh, you know, the name blame sort of thing, where it's like those symptoms are correlated with acid reflux and this is the treatment for it. You need to ask yourself, well, why do I have acid reflux in the first place? What is my nutrition or my lifestyle that could be driving that? And then that's where you need to put your focus. But yes, absolutely. I have helped so many individuals get off of these medications and that rat race of, you know, name pill for every ill is what I call it. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's like, I know for some people like, you know, oh, when I eat tomato sauce, I'm like, great, but so only take when you have tomato sauce. Like if, unless you're having tomato sauce every single day, just have when you have the, like the occasions that you have the tomato sauce. And there's more natural things that you can do. So in that instance, you don't need to shut down the receptors and the pumps in your stomach for making acid. You want to take something like a calcium carbonate that's just going to bind up that acidity that's coming from the oranges or the tomatoes. And that will give you the temporary relief without giving you those long term. Right. For the days that you're not having it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So having something on hand that's like calcium carbonate which is actually what is Tums, but Tums is loaded with all these other ingredients that you don't want to be taking. So um, finding a more natural alternative. Um, Yeah. And so the other thing I was thinking about is so that if I do have kind of like slow digestive fire, you know, there have been talk about taking like um, bitter herbs as a way to help kind of like get things going. Yeah. So I tend to actually just have my clients um, consume bitter foods because, again, I'm a food first kind of person. They're much more sustainable long term, like to eat food. Um, So that would be things like arugula and beets and stuff. But, um, yeah, you can take bitter herbs. They're usually sprays or drops. They're extremely bitter and they send signals via the brain down to the digestive tract to turn on bile production. So they're actually more helpful for stimulating the liver and the gallbladder to secrete mm. and the pancreas to secrete bile. But it can be helpful with just the overall digestive process. A more natural route would just be to do like apple cider vinegar or lemon. So with that said, you know, that that's a, I love that you give me all these off ramps. So, <laughs> so, you know, that's another common thing. I should first thing in the morning have apple cider vinegar with lemon or lemon with hot water. I mean, is that truly and it's like everything I've like when clients ask me, I'm like, I've seen I've seen it 50 50. Like part of me is like, if you if if, if you feel good, and you can do it, rock on with your bad self. I'm like, I haven't seen it causes you any harm. But I haven't really seen any like hard fact that it's something you should do every day. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, it's good to drink water as soon as you wake up in the morning because of respirations happening at night, you're losing a lot of fluid. So one of the aspects of that is just you're rehydrating your body. So it's right. good to drink Warm water in the morning will stimulate peristalsis, which is the movement and the contractions in the gut. Mm. So I always recommend to my clients of like, hey, if we could like maybe fill up a glass of water and leave it out overnight and we can have room temperature, maybe lukewarm water in the morning before we start doing some sort of like lymphatic movement or flow, that would be great. Um, 
Lemons contain limonene, which is a compound that supports the liver in, um, I think it's phase two detox. So there are some benefits to lemon. Um, because of the acidity, the acidity of apple cider vinegar and lemon kind of mimics the acidity of the stomach. Uh, it's about a two to 3.54 in on the acid scale. So for somebody who has low uh, or doesn't have like great stomach acid, it just kind of helps to give another layer of like acidity to help with the breakdown of food. However, if you take apple cider vinegar and you feel very unwell after doing mm. that, you're like, I'm fire and I don't feel good and my stomach hurts. It's usually an indication that uh, you shouldn't be taking it. That yeah. overproduction of acid is your issue, not under. Right. Yeah. I, cause I remember when I was in my throes of dealing with my heartburn, everyone's like apple cider vinegar, take it. And I'm like, okay. And it didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then it probably was truly that you had overproduction of acid. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, it didn't, I'm like, no, I'm like, if anything, it was just like throwing fire on fire. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to do that, this is just a side note. You need to drink a lot of water with that. Um, because it is acidic. And if it sits in the esophagus, it can actually cause esophagitis, which is like inflammation mm. that develops in the esophagus. So if you're going to do a shot of apple cider vinegar or a shot of just straight lemon juice, you really got to wash it and chase it down. After feeling that way, I did chase it down. Just because I was like, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry that you went through that. <laughs> Well, I always feel like I, like I, like I tell all my clients, I'm like, I, I try it first before I share. <laughs> and so I can share from experience and I could say either it sucked and you could give it a shot. And I told you it sucked and you tried yeah. it. Or I could tell you, this is like, hand to God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, so, so as we, as we talk about gut health, like, you know, so much research has come out about it being the second brain and that so many other things that we never thought of have stemmed from what happens in our gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you know, I know this is probably like, you know, we've already bookmarked the endometriosis, but is as people are starting to think about, should I give a shit about my gut health? You know, I just want to kind of like start to like close down and be like, there's a reason why it's such a conversation like why yeah. so many people have like you know gone head first into this you know this work because i mean it's kind of like the wild wild west right now and i'm sure in the next x number of years we're gonna realize what we got right and what we got wrong yeah yeah well i mean the microbiome is so complex so microbiome meaning like the gut um and gut health and how it is connected uh, we actually have the enteric nervous system, which functions separately from the brain. So there's actually even conversation. That's why it's like talked about like the second brain, because not only is signals coming down from your brain, there's actually signals going up from your gut. Like let's talk about, for example, intense sugar cravings. Mm. When you cut a food out, why all of a sudden are you absolutely obsessed and craving it? Because those, those die-off signals are coming from the gut back up to the brain, letting you know, like, hey, I need to eat this food for this particular strain of bacteria to survive. So there's a very intricate relationship happening there. But absolutely every process in the body is dependent on the gut. Because as yeah. I said earlier, your gut is what is absorbing the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, everything that is essential to keep you alive and to keep you functioning. There's research coming out right now about how the gut is linked to Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah. No allergies, asthma, autoimmunity, infertility, you know, hormonal imbalance. All of it is stemming from the gut joint aches, you know, being in an inflammatory cascade. So that's why people should care because usually a lot of the symptoms that people are struggling with, you can chase it back to the gut. Mm being out of balance because of the food that people are eating or not eating and the lifestyle in which they are living. And a lot of that is driven by our society. Yeah, no. And you're, you're, you know, we started the conversation saying you can't out supplement things yeah. and we're ending the conversation where it's like, many of us want to run away from our lifestyle. 
You know, we don't want to look about being stressed. We want to look about not sleeping. We don't want to look about, you know, swinging by for fast food or just not being able to eat enough because we're on said diet. And so, you know, these little, like the little things that we've talked about are just pebbles as we try to build to our bigger, our bigger rocks. Yeah, absolutely. Convenience is a lot of what drives individuals because, um, we are in such a fast pace mm. life, we live in such a fast pace, forward thinking type of society. Um, so it feels almost very unnatural for people to kind of go back to the way our ancestors lived, which is a very much more like intentional and focus on eating those whole foods, you know, that we're growing ourselves. So um, it's a lot easier to take a pill. It really is. Oh, it is very easy to take a pill and not be like, hey, take for the five minutes there. Why don't you spend some five minutes extra in bed? The problem is what I think a lot of people, the point that people are getting to is that they're taking the pill and they're still not feeling better. No, not at all. And, you know, it's, it's seeking people out like yourself. You know, I know that people like yourself or other functional practitioners out there, your insurance might not cover it. And I get that. And I totally understand that. However, I think about how much have you just thought cycles about whatever's ailing you? How, how much have you spent on said supplement only for it to just either pee or pooped out of you and didn't do a damn thing for you? Where if I just said, you know what, I need to bite the bullet and spend time with people like Jade or other folk that could just help me just nip this in the bud in a year or less. You making the decision to focus on yourself um, has a ripple effect to the people that live around you and also has the potential to make generational changes. There have been studies done on Holocaust survivors mm. and that their offspring, based on the amount of stress Ooh. that they have been through from a physiologic standpoint, the genetics are different and changed in their offspring from the things that they have gone through, which tells us that generationally, the Ooh. things that we go through, we can pass on to our children. Ooh. So if you make the decision, which I know the women that you're working with are 40 or above, but for me, I'm working with more like 25 to 45 or 50. Um, I speak with them a lot about you are at a pivotal point right now where you yes. can make a difference from a biology standpoint for your children, but then also the type of life that your child, the environment that they grow up in and the nutritional things that you feed them and how the first three years of their life it determines their microbiome. So like all these practices, like you have the chance to change the life of somebody else. And that is powerful. No, that, that is very powerful because I had another guest talking about how, you know, you talked about how our bi microbiome is developed in our first three years. And then I had another guest talk about our, how our whole subconscious psyche is like kind of baked by the time we're six years old. So if you think about, you know, if you always heard someone talk about, oh, we just have bad stomachs or, oh, we just are this, it just gets cooked in there. And yeah. so if you now start to, you know, I think about things I've learned about now that had I known 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have half the shit that I had to unpack. Had, right. I, had I known 10 years ago, I would have been able to start dealing with it up at an earlier age. Yeah. You know, and that is powerful stuff too, because of the whole subconscious mind and how that develops. Children can't self-regulate. They're co-regulated by their parents. So the environment, like parents get to choose what the environment is like in the home. And it is pivotal in the microbiome development and the brain development of children. So powerful stuff, but it's all connected. We can't separate one aspect of the life from another, you know, the brain, the gut, they're all connected. Yeah. It goes down and it goes up. This has been really great. And I thank you so much for taking the time. And so the, I always ask, ask my, my guests a couple questions. One, where can people find you on the socials? Yeah, we're most active on Instagram. And our Instagram is just at like the at sign resilient gut co co um, i'm sure you'll put that in the show notes yep. um, 
We're, we're pretty active on there. We're constantly posting stories. We do like IG lives as a team. I have a dietitian on staff and I also have an integrative nutritionist as well, all very highly educated with master's degrees. So um, that would be the first place to look for us. And then we also have a website. The cool thing about our website is we actually have a free quiz on there, which maybe some people would find helpful after listening to this conversation because you asked me, how do I know if I've got something going on with my gut? We have a free quiz on our website um, that actually, I think it's like a series of six or 10 questions. And then at the end, it'll actually, um, based on how you answer, tell you what the potential root cause is for you. Mm. And then we'll send you an email. We've drafted out like some tips of things that you can start implementing right away to sort of help with that root cause that um, came from your answer. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So if you have any type of gut thing, I would for sure yeah. uh, answer that. Um, and take that. And then the second thing I ask is that what's one thing that makes you feel magical? Mm, I love that. You, so you mentioned this to me earlier and I was kind of thinking about that. There's two ways that I could take that. Number one is I just feel like my soul is on fire when I get to educate people that there's another way. Oh yeah. So that really, like I am energized by my passion and being able to do this and speak to people and help them advocate for themselves just like lights me up um, because I've been there and now I know what it's like to be on the other side. The second thing is having my hands in the dirt. I am a oh. flower and I love, love, love cut flowers. And that just like helps to recenter me. And I feel very much connected to just everything that is when my hands are in the dirt. <laughs> Good. I love it. I love it. I, you know, every time I ask a question, I never know what to get. I never know what's, what someone's going to say to me. Someone told me they like dancing. Someone told me was, you know, playing with their dog, you know, so it just, it's, it runs the gambit of it, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time. And ladies, if you have any of these, like just your stomach always just feels weird or you always feel bloated, take the quiz. You got nothing to lose. You got absolutely nothing to lose. You get a few tips and then maybe you're like, you know what? I want to turn this around. And then you call Jade and she can help yeah. you turn it around. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. This has been amazing. I love conversational podcasts. Thank you for letting me share my story. Thank you for letting me educate your audience. I would love to do it again. Yeah, for sure. The interpretation endocrimesiosis was like, oh my God, I, I, we should talk about that. Cause I know that's such a huge thing for a lot of women. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Jay, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you've made it this far, yay. I'm thinking you enjoyed the show. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Kim Jefferson Coach. In order for me to keep sharing this message, do me a favor and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. New episodes are available every Wednesday. The Fit Girl Magic Podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions about your health. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much.